Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 640. My father and my grandmother before him uh, hammered into my head from an early age that can't never could. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Stephen Plaster. Hey, Stephen, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I've got my four-point harness strapped on my executive chair. <laughs> very cool. I will try to keep it between the guardrails so uh, you don't need your helmet today. <laughs> so Stephen Plaster is the chairman and CEO of Evergreen Investments and the managing partner at Passport Transport, in addition to being the chairman and CEO of numerous other companies. Evergreen Investments is a private equity firm with a focus in the buyout of small to mid-sized companies where their portfolio includes Champion Brands, Empire Pipeline, Empire Exploration, Passport Transport, and many other companies. Stephen's passion for cars runs long and deep, and part of his holdings include Evergreen Historic Automobiles, a facility for events, and the collection. Passport Transport was founded in 1970, and it's a leader in the shipping of fine automobiles around the country. He also sits on the board of many companies, and his automobiles have been displayed around the country, including at LeMay, American's Card Museum, where he received their Master Collector Award. Well, Stephen, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share maybe a little bit more about your businesses and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, golly, Mark, I, you made that. You make me sound really good. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> you are really good, Stephen. <laughs> no worries there. Oh, I, my my early career was in the propane industry. My father founded Empire Gas Corporation years ago, and we I, I worked in that literally from the time I was old enough to drive a gas truck, and worked my way up through the company and. When we sold that in 97, I had been the president of that company for three or four years, and uh, I found myself 38 years old and, and unemployed. <laughs> oh, gosh. I told everybody I was retired at that point. Mm -hmm. At that point, we started in redeploying those assets into more productive things. 
the the market was very strong and you couldn't buy companies so we got into some real estate adventures and built some hotels and and different things and we lost dad in october of 08 mm. and uh, at that point in time we grabbed our bootstraps and and moved right ahead mm-hmm. and uh, we owned Champion Brands, which uh, we bought about the time we sold the gas company. And that company makes 1,500 different automotive SKUs. We're one of the largest brake fluid manufacturers in the country. And wow. most importantly for this adventure, we, we now build a motor oil that is specifically designed for the old cars. So it has all the zinc and the ZDDP and the sulfur and the good things that the EPA is legislated out of motor oil today that, that the old cars need because they don't keep the track of the rules changes. Right, right. Passport Transport was the first company that we acquired after Dad passed away. Uh, it was a great company in the 70s when Robert Pass owned it. When he retired, he sold it to FedEx. FedEx is a great company, but they're a freight hauler. And they immediately started treating the old cars like freight. Oh. And they ran off all the business. So when we bought it, it was in pretty dire straits. And, and, uh, of course, I'd been playing with old cars for years, had been a customer of Passports for many years. And I just put on my Passport Transport shirt and started going to the events and shaking hands with people and telling them that, of course, the first thing we did was change the name back to Passport. Mm Mm-hmm to take advantage of all that goodwill hanging out there. Yeah. We are now, we're still not the biggest transportation company, but we were, Passport was the first, and we believe now that we are the best. Nice. Our biggest claim to fame is uh, is our damage history, and we have a very, very low damage history. Mm-hmm. We do door-to-door delivery, which is different than most of the other companies. Most of the other companies do warehousing, mm-hmm. where they pick up your car, take it to a warehouse, and then when they got a load of cars going the right direction, they reload it. And I always call them the Ferris Bueller warehouse. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> we don't do that. As a general rule, we pick up your car, one guy loads it, and it stays on that truck until it gets to where it's going. Very comforting. And then it's unloaded. Yeah. And uh, that's the way we, we try to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not near as efficient to do it that way, but it's absolutely the best way to to handle our loved ones. Well, yeah, much more comforting for us collectors, for sure. You bet. Yeah, very nice. Wow. Well, very cool. And, you know, your history is so extensive. We could talk for hours about that. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that's been instrumental in your life. It's a nice way to get those inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Stephen, take the wheel. My father and my grandmother before him uh, hammered into my head from an early age that can't never could. Neither one of them would tolerate you saying can't. Mm. There's nothing that you can't do if you try hard enough. Mm-hmm. And if if you start off with a, a can't attitude, you'll be right. Yes. <laughs> yes. So can't never could was probably the the mantra that I have carried with me through my whole life and dad through his. Well, it's obviously worked well for you, that's for sure. 
Can't never could. I love that. It's kind of like that Henry Ford quote. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Yeah, that's exactly right, too. Absolutely. Well, let's go back in time here. I would love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. You've had cars, collected cars, played with cars, driven cars for an awful long time now. But is there a pivotal moment when you look back in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? You know, I knew you were going to ask me that question. (laughs) And I honestly cannot remember when I wasn't a car guy. Mm -hmm. Now, what I do remember the the first car that I ever really fell in love with was a 1968 Cougar Eliminator. Oh. And they had come out, and they were winning drag races all over the world. 1968, I was 9 or 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can remember I went to the Mercury dealership, and I got a brochure, and I cut it all to pieces, and I made me a nifty little catalog, and I I tried every way in the world to get Dad to buy one of those for me and put it up <laughs> until I turned 16. Of course, he was smart enough not to do that. Yes. And, you know, to this day, I've owned a couple clones, but I have still never found that exact car. Mm. I've owned a lot of cars between then and now, but... But that's the one that I really say that was the first car that I ever loved. Yeah. Is that because most of those were cars were raced and probably beat up and they're just, they're just not around anymore? Are they really hard to find? Oh, they, they, I blame it. The Cougars are just not as collectible as a lot of other cars. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, a lot of them have been beat up or just got old or yeah. transformed into something else. Sure. Yeah, but they're out there. I'll find one one of these days. I think so. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I, there was a neighbor up the street who had a uh, a '58 uh, Carrera Speedster, Porsche Speedster that he was going to sell when I was a little kid. We're about the same age, and I begged my parents to buy that uh, in the late '60s, and they just looked at me and said, "Are you crazy? He wants like twenty five hundred bucks for that thing. That's ridiculous." So <laughs> we all know what they're worth today. So. Isn't that the truth? I remind them all the time, much to their chagrin. Well, Stephen, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've been a serial entrepreneur. You've had your hands involved in so many things. And that means you've been dealt huge challenges and even great failures along the way. But the most important part of this question has to do with how did you overcome that situation? And even more importantly, what did it teach you so you could move forward? Well, the the good Lord gives you a lot of opportunities. There's a song that says the uh, good Lord gives us mountains so that we can learn how to climb. <laughs> yes. And and I believe in that. Uh, I've always said the difficult I can do immediately and the impossible just takes a little longer. <laughs> Probably the biggest challenge that I've had, and at the risk of talking too much about my father, dad was a, a textbook workaholic. He loved to work, and he put every bit of his energy into building whatever company we were working on at the time. Mm-hmm. And when we sold the propane company in 1997, Empire Gas, he went through a bout of classic seller's remorse. Mm-hmm. And dealing with that was, was incredibly tough for him, and I, and I felt like I had to help. I was afraid he was going to die if I didn't. You mm, know, he, yeah. 
his his blood pressure went up, and he, he wasn't sleeping at night, and he was really having trouble with it. And wow. All my life, Dad had told me the story that in, in any situation, no matter how dark it seems, and when you look every direction and all you can see is, is darkness, mm-hmm. he said, he always told me, if you'll look hard enough, somewhere in all that darkness, you'll find a speck of light. And if you will focus on that speck of light, you will come out of the darkness. Nice. And I went back to him and I told him that story that he had told me so many times. And he didn't listen, which was which was normal for dad. Okay, he didn't listen to his son. That's the way it always was. I always said dad and I had the world's best father and son relationship and the world's worst employee-employer relationship. Mm. So... One day while he was out of town, I slipped into his office and I I posted little handbills all over on, you know, on the toilet paper in his bathroom and on his desk <laughs> and on his chair and on the table. And uh-huh. all over his office, I put about 100 focus on the light. Oh, nice. Little brochures. Yeah. And I think if nothing else, it made him realize that I was really concerned that he wasn't coming out of this. Mm -hmm. And two days later, he sent me back that whole stack of brochures. I came in one morning and they were laying on my desk, all in a neat little stack with a note. I don't need these anymore. Nice. Oh, nice. And from that day on, he was okay. Wow. What a wonderful story. I, I really want to thank you for sharing a really personal side of your life. And, and what a great story. And, you know, for a lot of listeners out there, they're probably scratching their head going, now, wait a minute. Here's a man who worked his tail off his whole life, built up a very successful business, sold it for a lot of money. You think, ah, oh, now I can relax. Now, your father wasn't wired that way. There was no such thing as relaxing. So, Maybe you can share a little bit more insight into that kind of personal psyche that that seller's remorse. Because for many people, they think, "Well, gosh, there's the relief. All the hard work is done now. You can go vacation, woohoo!" But that wasn't your dad, was it? Oh, never. Yeah. Uh, when Dad got involved in the propane industry, he was working for another guy, and he got involved in every civic organization and Shriners and you know anything where there were business people involved, he was in it. Mm-hmm. And when he started his own company in 1963, he dropped out of almost everything. In fact, in the the first two years that he was in business, he took off two full days, and that was two Easter Sundays. Wow. And uh, other than that, he he had a singleness of purpose, was the way he always put it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and he was very driven, and and he was that way every day about that business. And, and, of course, that took us on several tangents, and we did some financial deals and some different things. But he was he was one of those that if, if he was awake, he was thinking. Yeah. And yeah. he was always – Dad was born the, the poorest kid in town, son of a Depression-era carpenter in 1930, right in the middle of the Depression. And mm. he knew what it was like to – to be hungry and to not not be able to afford shoes right. yeah. and things like that. Yep. He always he always told me that's the one thing that he could not give me was the knowledge of what it felt like to grow up poor. Uh, yeah. And, wow. Uh, 
So that was a tremendous motivator. And when we sold the company, suddenly he didn't have anything to focus on. Yeah, there you go. He just didn't have anything that he had to do. And Yeah, that's a hard thing to get over, yeah. Yeah, that was his life. That was his and and I suppose that I would be in the same boat. I, yeah. I've always said I'll I'll never retire. I may keel over at my desk someday, but well, I had I had a guest on the show just a few days ago that said uh, it was Alan Johnson, who used to be a Porsche racer. He owned dealerships down there in Southern California, and he said I tried retirement. I don't recommend it for anybody. He's 81 years old. He's still working every day. And uh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, your dad and you were both very fortunate to have each other. What a wonderful story. I want to thank you for sharing that. Let's uh, shift gears here, Stephen, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. It's a time when the bright headlights come on and kind of clear a path for you in a new direction. Maybe share the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, I think, I think probably... The real aha moment in my life came when dad passed away mm. because, you know, like it or not, I, I was doing a lot of things and I was always very involved and dad and I worked very closely together, but dad always sat at the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. And if something went wrong, it was dad's problem, not mine, mm. you know, and now I'd help him. I'd usually get the my hands on that laboring oar, but when dad passed away, I really worried. I said, you know, gosh, what are we going to do now? Right. And well, I, I said, you know, we'll just handle what comes up one thing at a time. Right. And we started in and, and we moved forward and, and, uh, you know, at that point, we had a lot of people that, were, that called and asked, you know, do you want to sell this business now that your dad's gone? And I said, well, no, probably not yet. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll think about it. And uh, since that time, we've we've moved forward. All the businesses are up. Everything's growing. Everything's going, doing better. And my mission in life is to continue what he's doing. Yes. My biggest challenge in life is getting one of the next generation up the speed that, that they can take it over and do something with it now. Exactly. You know, it's one of those typical challenging things when you talk about multiple generations. And you're right. How do you teach what your dad knew way back when, when he started the work ethic, the the challenges of being hungry and not having shoes? How do you show that to the next generation so that they'll never be in that position and they have that fire and that spark? Yeah. I hear that from a lot of people. Uh, it is a challenge, but uh, you're walking in some great shoes there. I can tell your dad was a very special guy, so I wish I had had the chance to meet him when he was with us. Very nice. I would assume you've had many proud moments in your career, but is there one in particular that you could share with us today? Mark, probably the most the most recent. Not long ago, let me back up, when we acquired passport transport from FedEx, Mm-hmm. Robert Pass, who's been a good friend for, gosh, 35, 40 years now, wouldn't let us haul his cars. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Now, he's a very, uh, let me see, since we're on the radio, I'll say frugal. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I've heard him called a lot of things, but <laughs> frugal's the nicest one. Yeah. He's a good guy, but he's, uh, he's very frugal with his money, and that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
he wouldn't let us haul his cars. Well, now, I know now what I didn't know then, and the fact was that a lot of the the guys that we had moving cars were those FedEx guys with that freight mentality, mm. and he didn't want to risk his cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, after we had owned the company about four years, uh, I ran into Bob at the uh, RM's sale in uh, St. John. Okay. And he went out of his way to wave me over to where he was sitting. I went over and shook his hand, said hi, and all that good stuff. And he said, I want you to know you've got it back. Ah, nice. And I said, got what back, Robert? (laughs) And he said, you've got passport and your reputation back where it was. Mm. Used to be the best in the industry, and you're back. You've got it now. Very nice. And he said, and by the way, I just bought two cars. Would you take them home for me? (laughs) Even better. Now, knowing Robert, it was significant that he told me to take them home. Mm -hmm. But it was even more significant that he didn't ask the price. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was such a tremendous boat of confidence that it uh, wow, it really made my day. Uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, that must have left your, you beaming from ear to ear with a big smile. So bravo, bravo, congratulations. No, actually, I kind of walked them away from there thinking, gee, did that really happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pinch- <laughs> Am I awake? Is this a dream? Yeah, there you go. This is where I want to be. I made it. All right. Well, that's very cool. That That's a hard, hard thing to do is once the tarnish has come off, that coin is to get it back so that people trust again. So very nice. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. I know you've been into cars for a long time, and you talked about that Cougar, but I would love for you to share with us your first really special car. Since you never got that Cougar, the first car you got that was just really, really special to you, and maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle. Oh, your listeners don't know that you gave me a list of all these questions. Well, I think some of them who've been listening a long time have figured that out, yeah. I'll bet that's right. I do provide my guests with what I call an interview flow, so they got to be prepared and think a little bit in advance, and I'm always appreciative when people give some thought to these questions. Well, I have given that question in particular so much thought simply because I have been in the enviable position of having so many really special cars yeah. over the years. Yeah. And I should tell you, our cars not just our our collection is not just a collection. It's that Dad and I always called it our savings account. Mm. You know, so we're all the time buying and selling. We're not a, really a dealer, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but it's we're just moving the curator process along so that we get to enjoy a lot of very unique and very special automobiles. Yes, the first one that we bought. That was a true classic. Was a thirty-two Packard Phaeton. Oh, nice! And we didn't know what we bought. We bought it because it it pushed a button in one of Dad's earliest memories. Mm. And uh, at one point, I made a video of that car. I made a video for Dad and kind of walked him through his life. Mm-hmm. And I used that car as the mediator. So we would we'd put it on a trailer and we'd move it around. And then we filmed it driving up in front of 
the house where Dad grew up, and then we filmed it driving up in front of the office, and we filmed it driving up in front of his mother's house, my grandmother's house, and uh-huh. and we we made it look like we had taken his prized car and driven it all over the world. <laughs> and that was the first question he asked when he saw the video. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah did, did you drive my car all the way down there? <laughs> Oh, sure. We trailered it. Yeah. Well, Passport took care of that for us. For Wow. Well, that car is so special, especially when the top is up on that car, because it kind of has this cool stance, almost a bit of an aggressive stance, that long, beautiful hood out front. And uh, uh, 32, that's the year my father was born. Yeah. Very, very special car. Which model? The Phaeton now, they had the, what, I think of the 902 was uh, a standard eight on that car, and then there were other versions of it. No, actually, this is this is one of those unique situations where this car is actually, wow, you've stumped me. I think it's an eight thirty five. Okay, okay. It, it was a it was a car that was built in late thirty or early thirty one. All right. But as you probably know, back in that era, they titled the cars when they were sold rather than when they were manufactured. Mm, okay. So it's titled as a 32 Packard, but it if you walked up and looked at it, you'd think it was a, a 30 or a 31. I see. It is not the 32 body style. Okay. Wow. Well, that is a very first special car for sure. Now, this one is a, a tough one, I would assume. It has to do with seller's remorse. You guys have bought and sold so many different cars through your your collection, but Taking money out of the equation, because, of course, the market goes up and down. It, it skyrocketed, and now it's kind of settled a little bit. Is there one vehicle you've let go in the past that you just always thought, I should have never sold that thing? Most of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I told you that would be a hard question for you. Most well, of them, yeah. The one that sticks in my head, my first car was a 1947 Willys Jeep. Oh, goodness. And Dad gave me that for Christmas when I was 13 years old. <laughs> cool. And I've, I've always said it was a two-speed. Just had two speeds, wide open and stopped. <laughs> yeah. And over the years, I've taught all my sisters to drive. I've taught nieces and nephews and, and cousins and cousins' kids. And anytime somebody needs to learn to drive, that's our go-to vehicle. Oh, wow. You still have it. I still have it. Oh, my gosh. Well, wow. I have it back. Ah, okay. At one point, when I was just starting out in business and and living very much from paycheck to paycheck, I had a, an opportunity to acquire another car that I just thought I had to have. Mm-hmm. And I went to Dad one day, and I said, I'm going to sell my Jeep. And he said, why would you want to sell your Jeep? And I said, because I want to buy this other car. So he suggested, and we we finally I sold my Jeep to Dad, oh, so okay. that I had the funds to go and buy this other car, mm-hmm. which I fixed up and made it really nice, and and uh, ultimately sold it to a brother-in-law and went on to to do other things. But when I sold it, I went back to Dad and I said, "Okay, I want to buy my Jeep back now," and he said, "Nope, <laughs> not for sale." <laughs> and you know that dirty rat. <laughs> nursed me along there for five or six years. Yeah, had a little and fun. <laughs> I finally got him in a position where I had something he wanted. There you go. <laughs> and made him sell it back to me. And, and, oh, what a fun story. But that's one that's in the, co- in the 
car barn now, and I'll guarantee you, it'll never be sold again as long as I'm alive. Yeah, no, you learned your lesson, and he taught you a great lesson there as well. So I'm sure that was his objective. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to share what projects are you working on right now that have you really in excited. I know the Evergreen Historic Automobile, your collection, you have a great facility. You lease it out or rent it out to people, I should say, for, for events and things like that. But what are you doing right now that has you really excited and fired up? You know, when we started into that project, I thought that'll be great. We'll make a lot of money from leasing this facility out. And I don't know that I don't know that we've had the opportunity to charge anybody for it yet. We've ended up doing a lot of fundraisers for politicians and American Cancer Society. And mm-hmm. We just did one for the Mercy Hospital Kid nice. Foundation and. And anyway, that wasn't your question, was it? Well, I really wanted to know what. Yeah, what are you doing today that has you really excited and, and fired up? Well, in the in the car world, we're we are in the process of restoring two cars, and and it's kind of significant because we we generally do not restore cars. It's so much cheaper to buy one that's already restored. Oh yeah, words of wisdom. That we really don't go there unless we have exactly the right opportunity. And I've got two young men on my staff at the car, car barn that are uh, McPherson College graduates and both have degrees in automotive restoration. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the process of doing a, a 25 Hudson hearse, Ooh. which will be Absolutely phenomenal when it's done. Yeah, and we're in the we're getting ready to start on a 1913 American underslung. Underslung. Now that's different. You familiar with the car? I'm not. No, my brain is twisting right now. I'm going underslung. What? Tell me about that. Well, it's a neat story. I'm I'm cognizant of your time, but I'd love to know about it. The American Automobile Company was a was a growing little company back back in the teens and but they were basically just like everybody else's car mm-hmm. and the gentleman that owned it and I'm sorry his name evades me at the moment was watching one day as a rail car load of frames for his automobile production facility was unloaded and as they took them off of the rail car they were laying them down upside down Hmm. and as he watched he looked at those frames sitting there upside down and says gee why wouldn't that work Ah. and he developed the concept based on that and basically all of the axles and suspension of the car is above the frame rather than below it and what it allowed him to do was lower the center of gravity of the car and make a very stylish looking car without sacrificing any road clearance. Interesting. Wow. And in its day it was a it was a oddball looking thing. It's still kind of an oddball looking thing. I seem to recall seeing one of those on the lawn at Pebble Beach. It was kind of a baby blue. It looks all hunkered down, for lack of a better term. Two years ago, or maybe three, it was the the specialty mark at Pebble Beach, and they had about 15 of them on the field. That's why I remember. Okay, now I know what you're talking about. Because, yeah, I had not heard of that before, and it, it's a very unique-looking, very old car, older car, of course. 
1913, yeah. Yeah, very old car, but very different. Wow, very interesting, very cool story. Well, look forward to seeing pictures of that when you have it done. Well, Stephen, here's a very introspective question. I love this question. If you were a car, what kind of car would Stephen be and why? You know, I gave that one a lot of thought, too. <laughs> and my first thought was, well, gee, I'd want to be a 540K Mercedes, <laughs> or I'd want to be a Model J Duesenberg. Or, yeah. And then I got to thinking, you know, it's not what I want to be, it's what would I be. Yeah, what are you? Yeah. Well, if if I were a car, I would probably be something along the line of a of a 72 Chevy Blazer. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, now, I'd be in really good shape, and I'd be well taken care of, and I'd shine. Nice. But... I figure I'm kind of a workhorse. Uh-huh. I'd want to look good, but I'm really just an old workhorse. I like it. You did You did answer that perfectly. That's exactly what I love to hear. 72 Blazer, when I was in high school, my neighbor up the street, Mike Brown, owned a city Chevrolet in San Diego, and he used to loan me a Blazer to take his kids up to Mammoth Mountain so he and his wife could have a weekend alone. We would uh, I get to drive a brand new Blazer, and there would have been 72 to 74 Blazers up to Mammoth Mountain to go skiing. So I spent a lot of time. I drove a Blazer all the way down to the tip of Baja once with his wife and a bunch of friends and camped on the beach and surf. So, uh, yeah, I could see you as a Chevy Blazer. <laughs> nice answer. <laughs> well, Stephen, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah, sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right. 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Stephen, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? A very wise man told me once, buy the best that you can afford. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> I've heard that before, and it is a very wise advice. You mentioned not buying cars you had to restore, but buying cars that someone else spent all the money on. Oh, my gosh, that is a key, key thing. So, yeah, buy the best you can afford. Now, how about a personal habit? Do you have a personal habit you could share with us that you think has helped contribute to your success over the years? Well, the the best thing I could come up with there was was the can't never could again. It's that has stuck with me, and I've lived that every day of my life. The only time in my life that Dad ever told me you can't do that, I looked him in the eye and said, "Well, I I can't believe you're saying that to me," <laughs> and and he said, "Well, okay." Knock yourself out. Yeah. <laughs> and we won the Structural Movers Association Award for the most square footage ever moved in one piece and the most weight ever moved on rubber tires. Oh, my gosh. We moved, we moved our 6,500-square-foot office building in one piece. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, wow. Can't, never could. There you go, Grandma. She's smiling in heaven yeah. there. <laughs> Just don't give up. Don't give up. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources these days, but is there one that you could share with our listeners that you particularly enjoy? To be real honest with you, my greatest resource is my friends. Mm, yes. Guys like Rick Carey and and guys like uh, the guys at LeMay. When you're really trying hard to find something that you can't find or when you're trying to find something that, that they don't make anymore. Right. I call my friends in yeah. the industry. And there's a lot of them out there, and they love to help. Oh, gosh. That's the one thing I know about car people is they do love to help. It's like getting involved in forums, meeting people, going to car events, going to Concord events, meeting people, talking to them because they're all willing to help. So great advice. How about a book? Is there a book you've read recently that you think our listeners would enjoy? Well, you know, I'm a little. I'm going to be a little off track on this one. It's okay. Uh, I have a good friend, David Keene. K-E-E-N-E. He's the, uh, one of the editors of the Washington Times, Washington Post. Post, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, former NRA president. Oh, okay. And he just wrote a new book called Shall Not Be Infringed. Sounds good. Now, it's, it's all about the Second Amendment and our, how our rights under that are being eroded away mm-hmm. and uh, that's a subject very near and dear to me because if we lose that right then we don't have any way to protect all the other rights ah yes absolutely well that's the first time that book's been recommended i'll have to look that up sounds like a great book and i'll let our listeners know that you can find all these great resources on Stephen's show notes page at carsyad.com just type Stephen in the search bar or Stephen plaster in the search bar that page will pop up with a link to this great book, and there's also another great place called Guest Recommended Books where all the past 639 past guests now books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. Get your hands on Mr. Keene's book. I think it sounds like a great read. We are up to the checkered flag here, Stephen, and this last question can be a real doozy, especially for a guy that has as many cars as you have. If you could have only one, I'm sorry, I said one collector car in your car barn. It's going to be a little lonely in there, but you can only pick one today, but money's no object. doesn't matter. I'll buy you any car you'd like. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? Well, I guess, and, and this was a tough question, too. Mm-hmm. 
it would probably be one of the early Ferraris, like a GT250 or, or something like that. Not just because of their monetary value, but because of the, the romance, the charisma that, that right. one can so easily associate with those cars. And I'm a driver. Mm. I, I think cars are, are made to be driven. I think it's good for them to be driven. And yeah. I have very few cars that I won't drive. And I, I think one of the early Ferraris would be a great one to drive. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well... Let's narrow this down a little bit. Since we're just talking today, I got to hold your feet to the fire because I can't get you let you get away with the what the past 639 guests didn't get away with. I want you to narrow down to the exact car. So would it be a 250 GT or is there another early Ferrari that you just think would be an awesome driver? It would probably be the GT 250. Yeah. Ah, nice choice. Ah, wonderful cars. Fantastic. Well, Stephen, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. I've had so much fun talking with you, and I've enjoyed your stories so much. I knew when I met you a few years ago at LeMay at the Concours there that you'd be an awesome guest, so I'm so happy that uh, you're here with us today. I want to thank you for sharing your incredible journey with cars with the listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off down the road in that Ferrari 250 GT? (laughs) It's a nice thought, isn't it? A young man walked into my office not long ago, and he had just graduated from college, and he said, what should I do? And I said, the best advice that I can give you is find something that you enjoy. Uh Whether it's profitable, whether it's going to make you rich or not, it's not important if you don't enjoy it. So find something that you enjoy, and then figure out a way to do lots of it. Very wise advice from a very successful guy. I like that. Almost always works. Almost always works. What's the best way for our listeners to mo- learn more about you and your businesses? Oh, gosh. I'm I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. Uh, I think I'm the passport car guy on uh, Instagram. Cool. Uh, okay. Evergreen Investments, uh, Evergreen Historic Automobiles is on the website. Champion Brands. Awesome own website as does passport transport very nice well listeners you can find links to all these great companies that steven has shared today on his show notes page at carsyad.com again just type steven in the search bar that page will pop up i'll make sure i have links to passport and champion and evergreen car collection all the different companies he's involved with on his show notes page check out what he's doing check out champion of course brands i'm sure you've already heard of that and passport as well but uh If you haven't been back there in a while, check them out. Great companies. Stephen, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you for your time and your interest. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!